Hi, welcome to Tube to Table, the podcast about helping tube-fed kids become happy and healthy eaters. Every week, we will dive into the basics of tube weaning to help unravel the conflicting information families get from doctors, therapists, friends, and family. I'm Jenny, a feeding therapist, mom, and food lover. And I'm Heidi. I'm also a feeding therapist, and I love sharing meals with friends and family and helping kids learn to eat. Come with us as we share practical tips and provide real-world expert advice so that parents can help their little ones start their journey from feeding tube to family table. Hi, welcome to today's episode, Calming the Waters. This is Heidi. I'm joined today by my colleague, Jamie, who is filling in for Jenny today. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. I know you just got back in town from presenting at a conference. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I was just in Virginia where another colleague, Brianna, who's another member of the tube weaning program, we presented on the tube weaning program and responsive feeding at the Speech and Hearing Association of Virginia. So that was really awesome. We had a pretty good turnout and we were able to share a little bit of outcomes from our program and a little bit more about the philosophy behind our program and some case studies, which are always fun to show the progress of the kids we work with. That's awesome. I'm sure you guys did a great job. I presented with you guys before and you're you're so good at it. And it's just always fun to share that information and meet other therapists who care about kids. So it is. And it's so fun to see people coming up after and that haven't might have not therapists who haven't heard of responsive feeding or haven't really are have heard of it but are nervous to kind of go into it. And so we had a lot of questions afterwards, which is always good that responsive feeding is becoming a little bit more popular in the yeah speech therapy world. So that's always a fun thing to see. It is. People are understanding a little bit more about how important that is for our Mm -hmm. little people and for the relationships of the families that they're working with. Absolutely. Um, And I think we have another great thing to celebrate today at the Tube to Table podcast is that we have reached 10,000 downloads. Yeah. So great. Thank you guys for sharing about that and passing it on to your friends. That's so helpful to us. So absolutely. So exciting. We appreciate that. And we love hearing from all of you. So today's episode is calming the waters. And it's an episode that is just a meaningful one for us lots of different times. There's all kinds of things where calm can be helpful. When I was preparing for it, I was looking around a little bit and I found this quote from an author, L.R. Noss is the author, and her quote is, when our little people are overwhelmed by big emotions, it is our job to share our calm, not join their chaos. You love that. that. really, I do too. It really just struck a chord with me about how often in our world, we're just, people just are ready and willing to jump in to the chaos and sometimes, sometimes swept along or sometimes inadvertently add to it. And I think that idea of bringing our calm to everything, but particularly bringing our calm to our kids Mm -hmm. is an important message. And it's helpful for us, I think, to keep that in mind as well when we work with kids, all of us as adults. Definitely. um, That we are the ones who bring the calm into the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it gets tricky too when, you know, situations come up where it's not always easy to be that way. But you're right. I think it's important to remember that it's our job as the adult to do that to help the child. Right. Right. And there's lots of situations. I mean, for the people with feeding, with kids with feeding tubes, you already know a little bit about disruptions and Mm -hmm. what it feels like to have expectations disrupted and, you know, things going on. And you guys have weathered that. And, you know, I just want to remind everybody that you'll weather whatever the next 
disruption is too, whatever the chaos is, whenever things feel unsettled and uncertain. And there's a lot of different situations that bring that Mm -hmm. into our worlds, you know, that we've seen. Definitely. Yeah. There's a lot of different things and it can be, you know, I know it's spring break time for a lot of families. So just like getting outside of the school routine can be tricky for families, you know, things happening in the world right now that can be difficult and disrupting. There's just a lot going on, but it can also just be something as simple or as little as, you know, traveling with your kids or going on an airplane for the first time, moving to a new house. I know a new baby in the house. My niece is about two years old and she just got a baby brother and was so excited about it until he came home from the hospital and was like, oh, this baby's (laughs) staying here now. (laughs) This is life. And it's been a big change. And so even just those little things that well, they're not so little, but it doesn't always have to be something huge that's impacting everyone. It can just be something in your family that is hard to work through. And even if you know it's going to happen, it can still be hard when it happens. Right. Well, and a tube in itself can be challenging and a disruption. And so although they're maybe moving ahead and they're feeding, it may be that they're struggling in being away from home or having someone new in the house yeah. or all those, you know, there's lots of different things and they can be good things that are disruptive too. Like you said, a new baby, a new house, going to a new school. Yeah. You know, and there's difficult things, getting a divorce or, you know, there's lots of different things, but I think there's some pretty common strategies that we use that can help give you as the adult some techniques and strategies to bring the calm Mm -hmm. in, but also ways that you can direct your kids in that way. Yeah. And I think it'll be really helpful to, when we were talking about this and planning for this episode, I know we talk a lot about for families with kids with tubes, but this really relates to every family, especially like you said, for kids either with a tube or during a tube wean or all of these things will definitely carry over to that. But even if you don't, you're listening or you're a therapist or you don't have, you're not facing that challenge right now. I think these strategies can apply to all of us when working with kids. For sure. And I think, you know, this just makes me think too that, and I think it's worth another episode in the future that having it, for those of you have more than one child, that having a sibling with a feeding tube and having a sibling go through a tube wean, Mm -hmm. this is disruptive to some of the other kids. And I know you guys all think we've heard that from so many people. And I know you care about all your kids. I'm thinking it might be helpful to have a future episode about handling you know, navigating this with older kids and younger kids with a kiddo who's on a feeding tube because it's about the whole family. And, you know, it's a challenge for the whole family. I love that idea because I think that, again, we'll go into this more in another episode. So stay tuned. But just I think it's uh, there's been times during a wean when I've we've taken some visits and focused on the sibling of how can they help? How can they feel important? How can they feel like they can do something? So I'm excited for that. Let me know when you're doing that. <laughs> I will. I'd love to have you on it. So I think that's a great idea. But let's start with what can we do for all the kids? And, and it, again, applies to kids with feeding tubes or who are attempting a wean. I think we deal with this for a lot of kids after the wean. Definitely. You know, when you're trying to get back to normal life and these things come up, we end up helping people navigate that for, you know, because it's, it's a challenge for everybody. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is to be kind to yourself and be kind to your kids. Just know that there's some stuff going on, whatever it is, and reduce the expectations on both of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important because I think what we've talked about before, I think it was a couple weeks ago with problem solving and just managing stress. And I think, you know, if you 
feel the stress as the parent or the caregiver, they probably do too. And we say that all the time to families. You know, we say, I can tell you're stressed at the mealtime. And if I can see it through the phone on the video you sent, the child sitting at the table can definitely see it. So just reducing, taking a break from giving yourself a break is important too. And just Mm -hmm. knowing like, you don't always have to be working on the feeding or you don't always have to be doing something that's going to check off a list. Just like reduce those expectations on yourself, which then will naturally, I think, help you reduce Mm -hmm. them for your child. And reduce the expectations on your kids too. If they're Mm -hmm. dealing with something and, and kids, especially kids who don't talk, they're probably even better at sensing emotions. So just because they're not talking doesn't mean they don't understand when you're under stress or when there's things going on, they can feel it because that's mm-hmm. that's their strength so at true. that level. So just making sure that give yourself a break, you know, and give them a break, reduce the expectations. If they were, you know, always sitting at the table, then maybe backing it up a little bit and shortening their time at the table. Or mm-hmm. if they were trying a whole lot of new foods, letting them, letting them go back to just a few favorite foods, maybe some ideas on how you can reduce expectations. Yeah. I like that too, because I think about what just came to mind when you were saying about like reducing expectations for the kids is I think about like when we go on vacation or when as adults, when we go away somewhere or something changes, I feel like we all probably naturally reduce expectations for ourselves. Like it might be different for everyone, but you might eat different food than you normally eat, or you might not work out as much as you normally do, or something is different for you. And you have this mindset of, okay, well, I just moved or I have a lot going on. It's okay. And I think that Kids, especially kids with feeding difficulties, don't always get that same break. And that's not fair to them. They should also be in that mindset of we're traveling or we're going to enjoy this time or we did just move. Like, it's okay to take a step back. He's not going to lose all the progress that they just gained the last year. Well, in fact, it's funny that you said that because I think sometimes we reduce expectations on ourselves and then feel guilty. And so we kind of amp up what we expect our kids to do. That's true. <laughs> yeah. We feel like we need to be doing some things. We're like, that's it. I'm going to work on feeding. Exactly. That's true. Variety. <laughs> yeah. Like, what else can I do? Like, I'm, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. And that's, it's good to just be mindful of that. And I know we've talked in past episodes about mindset and shifting that mindset. And this is just another example of, shifting that. Now it's not always easy to do. So I know we were going to talk a little bit about some strategies for that. Yeah. So I think it's good for parents to realize that I think the first step is getting that mindset and then you're able to see what else you can do. Right. I think, you know, the first step again is to reduce expectations and that doesn't mean throw them out the window. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything goes. It means reduce a little bit to make things comfortable because you are going to have to undo some of it later. Yeah. And it's okay. It's okay. They're going to have to undo some of it later, but just know that it makes sense to just dial it back a couple steps. One of the other things that we thought was really helpful is some different ways to bring familiarity into what they're doing. So if you can plan ahead, that might mean you pack some favorite books or you try, if you're moving to a new house, you try and replicate some of the things that was nice about their old room if you can, Mm -hmm. or bringing some favorite foods or a favorite toy, some things just to make, to bring something that's familiar into, into the setting. Yeah. I like, I love that idea. And I think just like keeping the entire routine familiar too, if you can, I mean, sometimes you're not going to have the same routine and that's fine, but finding pieces of it. So we've had families where for that in their house, normally they all, you know, wash their hands, 
pick a cup and walk to the table. And that's stuff that you can do even if you're in a new house or if you're on vacation or somewhere where you can still keep somewhat of that routine. So again, be easy on yourself. It doesn't need to be the same exact routine, but keeping some parts of those mealtime routines familiar so that kids can latch onto that because they, we know that kids thrive off routine, especially those like two, three-year-olds. They need that in their life. And when it it's our role as the caregiver to help give them that. But I love what you said about any familiar cups, foods, and that doesn't mean you need to pack every single cup you have or every single snack, but just being mindful of some of those familiar things for them. And bridging the gap mm-hmm. for them if you need to. Yeah. You know? And I like the favorite stories and the games because that's something outside of feeding. Mm-hmm. That you can bring with you that's in your pocket mm-hmm. that you can do all the time if you have the same yeah. things. One of the other things that we talked a lot about between us as we were planning this, but also something that we end up doing is talking about some of those things. And one good way for kids is a social story Mm -hmm. where you would put some pictures if you can and some words to it to put some context around what they're doing. And I think we've talked a little bit about social stories in the past, and I think we probably need another episode on social stories in the future. Yeah, (laughs) they're they're They're, really helpful. mm Mm-hmm. They are, and there's a lot that goes into them. And so I agree. I think it would be helpful for an upcoming episode. But just touching on it while we're here, you know, there's so many different ways that you can adjust a social story or personalize it for every kid. So like you just said, talking to your kid about it is important. Obviously, that depends on their age. But you can do a very simple social story with just pictures. Or you could do a social story with more words and read it every night with your child if they're older. I love social stories for that reason of you can just personalize it to each child and you can also, again, get that familiarity or get them comfortable. Right. And adults are the same way. Like I know, at least I am like, if I'm going to a new place, I always kind of look up where it is or what's around it. Or I, I just like to know that before personally. So I think for kids, they especially would benefit from knowing what to expect before they're just kind of thrown into it. Right. And some, what they can do about it and make some plans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, depending on what is going on and, you know, there's ways to, there's, you know, about getting a new sibling, there's books you can read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, whether you read a book or whether you talk about it, and I think, you know, having a conversation that's developmentally appropriate for what is going on is important. You know, mm-hmm. talking about big emotions and sharing our calm with it, it's important to say, yes, there's, it's sad, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's scary. It's, um, it's whatever the big emotion is, change is hard, you know, just putting some words to some of those things, but saying we've, we've been through this before. We're a family that figures things out and we're going to do it together. We've got this. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's important to know that for them to have those feelings acknowledged. Yeah, that's huge. But also, and not to gloss over their feelings and their emotions, but I think it's really helpful to bridge out of it as well and not just dwell around in how hard it is. Yeah. Or the fact that it's scary or hard, but saying, you know, we together we've got this. We'll figure it out, Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, And that sounds really familiar to what we do or what a lot of, if any therapists are listening, like what you can do with parents too. You know, like what you were just saying was, sounds like a very... Uh, similar conversation to what we might talk parents through when they're stressed about something or upset about something and recognizing it's hard. We understand that, like we talked about a couple episodes ago. So I think using that for your mm-hmm. own child, like what you were just describing is is a really good point. 
It's, yeah, I think it's really helpful and doing it for each other, mm-hmm. you know, other parents. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, whoever else is in the situation with you, it's important to remind yourself of those things too, that when things feel a little crazy, mm-hmm. when things seem a little bit difficult, that there's, there's a way out of it. Yeah. And that you're just going to buckle it down and, and figure out what it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. So I hope that um, I, I wanted to wrap up a little bit because I think, you know, the first thing is remembering that you're the adult and that you have the, the right and the responsibility and the joy and the challenge of bringing some calm into a chaotic situation. That's part of that's part of what's helpful for your family um, and, you know, gathering any resources that you need for that. Um, so bringing some calm to the situation, I think next is along with that reduce the expectations on yourself that it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Uh, you can't plan everything. No. And, and it's not helpful for your kids to think you can anyway. Yeah. That's a good point of just like building, uh, accepting the new type that we have, which we kind of just talked about a little bit with the social stories and all of that. But I like what you just said of it's okay. It's not, you shouldn't expect your kid to be able to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to remember. It is. Um, And then bring some familiarity to the situation. And there's so many different ways. You know your kids. You know what would be the most helpful in bringing some familiarity to the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think, again, I don't know that we talked about this too much, but it can be helpful to link, you know, the familiar things, link it into something new, that bridging of unto the next step. Yeah. Well, I think we like with you know, uh, the new routines or like linking a familiar routine. I think all of those things we just talked about help do that because you're bringing something familiar and you're kind of linking it with this something new. Cause some of these things that we talked about, like a new baby or a new house aren't going to go away. So like spring break, you come back and you get back into your routine, but those big life changing things for kids, they do have to adjust to a new norm. It's not going to go back to the way it was but you can at least help them adjust to that new right piece. Right. And for situations like school closings that have to do with weather, illness, or, you know, whatever situations come up, you don't always know when the end is in sight. Yes. So you can't always say this is when it's going to end because you can't always deliver. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, you know, here's where we are now. We're going to figure it out. It probably won't always be like this, but, you know, this is what we're doing now. Yeah. Um, and, and try to bring as much as you can. And just talk to your therapist about it too. One last note about, we talk with families about this all the time, but just if you're listening as a parent or even if you're listening as a therapist, just continue to have these open conversations. Cause I know in the early intervention world, they happen a lot, but sometimes in other settings, they don't always happen or you don't get as much one-on-one opportunities with the parent. So having these conversations with your therapist and telling them, you know, I'm nervous about this in the next month and they can help you through that. I think the the final thought is, is linking back to the initial thought of reducing expectations is that remembering it isn't your job to recreate sameness. You Mm -hmm. don't have to turn yourself inside out to try and make everything exactly like it was because you can't. Yeah. Um, But it's also an opportunity that, um, brings flexibility for your kids, learning new things, being able to adapt to new situations is actually a really important skill for life. Definitely. Um, And often we find that kids um, are better and we ourselves are probably better at rising to the situation than we think. Mm -hmm. 
So we also want to remember that this is an opportunity that's going to provide growth and flexibility and be a, you know, lead to being better, stronger, independent, more um, resilient people in the long run, which is what we really want. We don't want people who have to have everything the same. Yeah. We want to be able to, um, to adapt and change and grow. And this is a chance. And I think most of the time we see that kids actually rise to the occasion and do way better than, than we think they're going yeah, to. Yeah, they you're exactly right. They often exceed our expectations there, surprise us in a lot of ways. Um, which is, and yeah, which is, which is important. And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's important. And I think it's true for us too. You know, yeah. I think it's true as grownups too, mm-hmm. is that usually once we're in it, we can rise to the situation better than we think. It's just adjusting to a new normal, yep. whatever that is, whether it's temporary or long-term or whether it's positive or negative, all of those things. It's just remembering that that we've been through things in the past. The kids have been through some things in the past um, and they conquered those things. And, you know, you have done the same and, and you'll be able to do it again. Yeah. So really good point. I, I hope this is helpful in dealing with chaos with just and, and bring some calm to the situation for all of us. Um, Thank you, Jamie, for being. Yeah, of course. This was a. I'm excited to talk about this. I hope this is really helpful. I think I agree with you. I think it'll be really helpful for parents, therapists, everyone. Yeah. To help with that. Yeah. So as always, you know, um, rate us in the podcast wherever you find us. Rate us in the app. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how other people find us. Um, yes. You can connect with us on social media, of course, and um, we'd love to hear your thoughts, topics interests. Um, And until then, we uh, hope you have a good week and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tube to Table podcast. Every week, we're going to share our show notes at thrivewithspectrum.com. In the show notes, you can find a summary of what we discussed and links to all the resources that we mentioned. Also, you can visit us on social media and Instagram and Facebook. We can be found at Thrive with Spectrum and on Twitter. You can find us at Thrive with SP. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on social media and let us know if you have any input or any topics that you'd really like to see us address. We'll be back next week.